Courtside Club is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar's Rewards. Must be 21 or older. This is controversial. I love it. Let's hear it. <laughs> and you're going to get me in trouble, but I'm going to be honest with you. What's up, you guys? I'm Rachel Demita, and welcome to the Courtside Club. I'm here in Detroit today, and I'm joined by the one and only Jalen Rose. Jalen, welcome to the Courtside Club. What up, though? And the key thing you said is in Detroit. I am in Detroit. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I was honestly kind of surprised that you agreed to sit down with me, seeing that I'm from Ohio. Well, we beat the Buckeyes (laughs) this past year. You did. I don't remember the other 19 of 21 that the Buckeyes beat us in football and had me delirious, but we still own the Buckeyes in basketball. Shout to Clark Kellogg. That's my guy. Shout to Jimmy Jackson. That's my brother. In all honesty, it's good to see the rivalry, you know, doing its thing. I saw you going crazy uh, in Indiana. (laughs) For real. But that's the, that's the thing about Michigan fans and Ohio State fans. Like it, it runs deep and it, Runs for life. Am I wrong? Absolutely. And, and it's ride or die. It's, it's not a fair weather at all. Like, I am not making this up. I believe the last two decades, the Buckeyes beat us in football, maybe 20 of like 22 games. Yeah. That, I, I was at like one of that. them, actually. It was yeah. crazy. It was at Michigan. Yeah, I don't like that. And so we don't <laughs> like that. Yeah. And the one thing about love and rivalry and supporting our teams is that we're going to represent that amazing blue. You're going to represent the Buckeyes. You're going to represent Ohio. But we handled it last year. We handled it last year. Do you guys do the same thing? You know how Nike and Adidas, it's like that other company because they're both in Portland. And Ohio State is like that other team. You know, do yeah. you guys do that? Well, we, we, we substitute. The B and Buckeyes with an F sometimes. Okay. Interesting. That happens. (laughs) You know, I can't act like that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, But we don't, I guess, say each other's, you know, states. And it's fine. It's it's a great rivalry. But here's the thing. USC and UCLA join the Big Ten now. Okay. That's a big one. Those are going to be big time games, big weeks to put notches in our belt so when we beat the Buckeyes, we could be in the top four. Well, we're here breaking bread today. Yes. Even though I did hear you trying to pitch Michigan to Bronny. So I'm from Akron. I don't know if you know that. Wow, okay. So I grew up actually watching LeBron play. <laughs> mm-hmm. I used to go to his games at St. V. I played at St. V as well, their mm-hmm. girls' team, and then they got moved to Akron U. And, like, that was a thing for us on our Friday nights. Like, mm-hmm. Let's go watch LeBron, That's you dope. know? So to hear you say Bronny should come to Michigan, I said, hold on a second. <laughs> I know to you that sounds sacrilegious, It right? sounds crazy. Yeah. I know that he didn't grow up there necessarily, but do you think that's plausible that he would pick Michigan? I think it's plausible. But let me, let's talk about the Ohio okay. um, end of this for a second. If you Bronny, mom and dad, little bro, <laughs> rest of the fam in Cali, dad just re-signed. You got to go to Ohio and live in that house. True. Then why wouldn't you go? Why wouldn't you go to Ohio State? <laughs> I mean, you know? to, um, to be honest with you, yeah. If I'm him, I'm going to live in that house, <laughs> and I'm going to go to any school in Ohio. If he ain't gonna do that, he got to go to Michigan. 
You just want him to have that house so he can turn up. <laughs> no doubt. He deserves it. Right. That, 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 that'll be a beautiful thing. He deserves it. He's putting in his work. A Project X party in LeBron's house yes, yes. when LeBron's at work in yes, LA. I yes. would be like all for that. Correct. Correct. Yeah. You're literally watching him play. Right. We're going to watch the Laker game. In other words, we know parents ain't on their way here. Right. There he is playing right there. <laughs> Speaking of his basketball skills, is there anything that surprised you with him so far or that you're looking forward to as his you know basketball journey keeps going? Well, the thing that surprises me is his maturity. As somebody that was fortunate enough to you know play big time high school basketball at Detroit Southwestern and win a couple of city and state championships, national championships, being McDonald's All-American, like I understand the magnitude, I understand like the pressure that he can be under. And he's LeBron James Jr. Um, As the son of a former player, for me, it was different because I never met my father. So my case was vastly different. He wore a 24. Mm -hmm. I wore 42 out of spite. He wasn't in my life. Part of it was he's going to know my name one day. For Bronny, it's a beautiful thing that he gets a chance to celebrate this with his father, celebrate this with his family. And so I appreciate his maturity because I'll tell you what, if I was in high school and I had a black card and my father right. was LeBron James. Right. <laughs> oh no. I'd be, I'd be coming to school you in Rolls Royce every, I, I would party. be unapologetically rich. Yeah. See, see, here's the thing. What ends up happening in this when you grow up in the city of Detroit, Northwest side as a poor kid, and I tell stories about not having heat in the house and eating syrup sandwiches with or mayonnaise sandwiches or sugar water or having kerosene heaters, like people hear that side of the story. Right. But what they don't recognize is the dream side of the story. And the dream side of the story is I wish I was brawny. I, I would be I would be fresh Prince of Bel Air. Like <laughs> like yo the Rolls Royce sitting right outside while I'm at school. But in all honesty, I appreciate his maturity and how he's handling things. And if he doesn't go to a school in Ohio, come on now. You got to go to Michigan, play for Jawan Howard. He won a championship with LeBron. True. In the league with the Miami Heat. Like, it just it just makes sense. I'm going to be heartbroken if that happens, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. It's his decision at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, no doubt. Going back to Detroit, I, I know a lot about your story. I've watched a lot of interviews that you've done and you always go back to Detroit and how it made you the person that you are today. Was there ever a turning point for you that you, you were like, this is the moment. This is what got me to, to be that college basketball star to right. go to the NBA. Right. Was there anything that happened? It's, it's a, I believe it's, there are a lot of them, but I'll give you two. So one of them, from a basketball sports sense, the legendary Sam Washington at St. Cecilia Gym. I used to go to school there. And as a sixth and seventh grader, I had some behavioral issues, got into a lot of altercations, and I eventually got um, kicked out of school after seventh grade. But for sixth and seventh, I was there. And I was one of the young kids that used to come in elementary school and rebound for the OG great players like George Gervin. I remember watching George Gervin make 25 finger rolls in a row. And we sitting on the baseline like one, two, <laughs> three. So and wait, where are you rebounding for him at? At St. Cecilia Gym. Okay. The, the historic St. Cecilia Gym. It's 
the equivalent of what you're now seeing with the Drew League mm-hmm. or what you see with the Rucker in New York City or like that that's Detroit's version. And so I was a, a camper there, a, a kid there that always went there and got a chance to be around the older players and Isaiah Thomas and whatnot. So Sam Washington, he saw me kind of, you know, goofing off or whatever in the gym. And he took me downstairs and he had like this old projector. He blew the dust off of it. And uh he showed me footage of my father playing. And I was like, word. I was like, this is crazy. You know what I'm saying? And the, to be this honest, is your biological father that you, biolo- hadn't, that you hadn't met. My biological father, Jimmy Walker, who was the number one pick in the 1967 NBA draft. That's why I rock this goatee like this right now. For him and for Walt Clyde Frazier, for Magic Johnson. I remember being a shorty. I'm going to have a goatee one day. But anyway, and I can't grow facial hair. That's all it grows. Can't make this up. And so he showed me my biological father. Like He was one of the first guys that was doing a spin move. And he put in work. It was like, if you stay focused and you stay disciplined, like this is your chance to do something special. And I started to feel like I was taking the game more serious after that. So I started wearing ankle weights to the gym. I started, yeah. you know, doing push-ups when I'm watching TV during commercials. Like I started to take it more serious. Shooting on your back. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. All of that. All of that. Getting the rotation, messing up hangers, putting them at the top of the door, hooping in the house. Like I was like, I'm going a, I'm to a fall in love with the game. That's one. But another time I was playing for the Super Friends. Shout out to Curtis Hervey. Um, my AAU team and to get us out of the neighborhood he used to have us practicing at country day so we can be exposed to like things outside of Detroit proper and so what is country day country day is one of the most prestigious high schools in the country okay um and Chris Weber went there Shane Battier went there okay um and so it's it's an amazing school and, and a lot different than what you were used to correct And I'm from the northwest side of Detroit, grew up in a few different uh, homes. And we were driving, and the team used to let me sit in the front and kind of DJ and play the songs or whatever. So I I remember looking, and I was like, wait a minute. We were passing by, if you're from Michigan, we were riding past Cass Lake. So it's like a two-lane street. And on the right side is mansions. And on the left side, people was like boating and jet skiing. And I was like, I was like, hold on. I was like, that's happening here? I was like, I need that. I need that. And so that was another time I told myself, like, the game has is, is got to be something that I fall in love with and I take it serious. So those two moments, I think, were, were big for me. So you knew basketball was going to take you there. I hope so. I mean, I was fourth, fifth grade signing my autographs as doc, I'm signing my papers as Dr. J in school. Teachers looking at me like I was crazy. That's kind of crazy that you found the motivation within yourself, though. I mean, you got inspiration from others, but to be that young and to you didn't have somebody in your ear saying that you have to do it or you have to do this and that. It came intrinsically from you, which is really cool. And, and, and for me, like, there, there, it's a unique dynamic when I see sons of former players in the league. So when I watch the Splash Brothers or any other players, because I get a chance to watch them interact with their father. Yeah. And for me, I didn't have that. My mother gave me that. 
So she was the person that introduced me to the game. She was the person that was at all of my games, that took me to every practice, that made sure that I was in environments where I can play the game I love and people were going to protect me. So she took me to St. Cecilia Gym to introduce me to Sam Washington. She took me to Southwest and introduced me to Perry Watson before I played for him. And so she was the person that allowed me to feel like my goal in being a great basketball player can happen. And to be honest with you, there was some spite there and there was some, some pride there because I always felt like my father not being in my life, I wanted to give my mother that lifestyle. I wanted to give my mother that opportunity to kind of, you know, get out of the hood. And so I took on that burden as a youngster. And you did all that and beyond. Yes, indeed. It's interesting that you you talk about that in one quick story on my end. I used to actually volunteer at LeBron James basketball tournament that mm-hmm. he would hold in Akron. So it was a lot of different high schools. And some of the games were at my high school. And Michael Jordan's sons would come through there. Mm-hmm. And I just remember it would be, you know, there was all good players, teams mm-hmm. across the country. But there was this whole different energy when they walked in. Mm-hmm. And they never... Uh, I don't correct me if I'm wrong. They did not play in the NBA and, and, you know, didn't become what I think a lot of people thought they might become, Mm -hmm. but the, the amount of people that came in with them, the stands that were packed because they were on the court, Mm -hmm. um, the girls, the friends, Mm -hmm. the everything. And Mm -hmm. we're all in high school and we're all looking at like, wow, that was Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan's sons, you know? (laughs) So I got a, I got a little piece of that Mm -hmm. and see, and he never came, you Mm -hmm. know, he didn't come to the games. But but there is, you know, it doesn't always pan out that way, even if your your father is in your life and, and helping you get that. You need that intrinsic drive that you had. Which absolutely. Is really cool. so absolutely. I love your story. Thank you. I appreciate that. And the thing about like it hits different when you're born into the world and you never carry your father's name. Like that hits different, yeah. Because that that that's an acknowledgement that this is going to be a single parent situation, or hopefully, you know, you're, you're lucky enough to to find a stepfather type of situation. But in my case, that didn't happen. I had great brothers um, to lead me. I have great family support. You know, my sister, my uncles, and so my grandmother. And it, it was just an amazing opportunity for me to say, I want to try to do something special with my life. And the time I got a chance to talk to my biological father on the phone, I made sure I told him I was in the league by then. And I made sure to tell him I appreciate him. I love him. I have no hard feelings. Him not being in my life clearly was the best thing to happen for my life because I became a success story without him being in my life. Well, you came a long way from switching your number in spite to like rocking your goatee. No doubt. In honor. Yes, of, indeed. You know Got to I mean? represent. <laughs> Absolutely. So your time at Michigan, what really stood out to me is you've, you've been a pioneer in so many aspects of your life and starting that young and even from, from down to you guys wearing t-shirts that didn't have logos and you just kind of recognizing immediately like they're making money off of us. Mm. How do you feel about the NIL and how it stands now? and what these kids are now able to do in their college careers. It's not the true solution that people describe it as being. Um, On paper, it's great that 
athletes now get the opportunity to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. However, there's some fine print. How many times have you downloaded an app and all you do is accept, accept, accept? You don't even read it. Oh, yeah, at this point. Right. You're not reading it. (laughs) Right. You're just accepting it because I need this app for this meeting. That's the same thing with a letter of intent. What happens with the letter of intent? You're basically not going to be able to have any contracts that interrupt the deals that they already have. True. So you're in Detroit for the Jalen Rose Leadership Academy golf outing. I am. Absolutely. So here are a couple of our sponsors. Say I was a high school senior. Puma's one of our sponsors. I couldn't go to Michigan and be sponsored by them. They already have a shoe company. Jeep is one of our sponsors. Say I pick a school to have another car company as their sponsor. Jeep couldn't be my sponsor. So now what ends up happening is you're actually getting a diluted opportunity to actually be represented. And if you notice, look over the past few years. It was, I was, it was great to see Paige Beckers with UConn get well soon. She's dealing with an injury right now to have a, a million-dollar sponsorship deal. But if you really know how much money UConn brings in women's basketball to that university, that's a drop in the bucket. Oh, yeah. It's not fair market yeah. value at all. So how do you think you remedy something like that? Because it's it's so early. And, and I feel similar to you in the fact that we don't really know how this is going to settle. It's not super regulated at the moment. I don't know if that's the best word mm-hmm. to describe it. But what do you think could, I guess, remedy what's going on right now or speed up the process to where these kids know what they're getting, they understand their value? Oh, here's the remedy for the universities. Look at Alabama. We're going to talk football. So there are layers to how they make money in football. Nick Saban, look at the antennas that he can make money. He can make money doing speaking engagements, shoe company, TV, radio. The sky's the limit for the ways he can make money. But what ends up happening is those sponsors are for him and the school. They're not necessarily for the top flight recruit. So what happens is the sponsor may give the school $50 million. They don't care if you give it to the players. But the school's going to say, we keeping that money. We're not going to now say, hey, we'll take 45 and give our starting quarterback right. <laughs> $5 million to come as an NIL athlete when that starts to happen that becomes the game changer but that's not happening and here's another reason why it's not happening because in basketball and football those players must continue to feed the system after high school they still have restrictions so even as a football player you gotta go to college what do you mean restrictions you got oh you mean because you can't just go straight to the nba or the nfl right so if i'm a talented football player And I just graduated from 12th grade. I still got to go to college. So they don't have to give me a deal. Right. So that's, to me, is the disappointment. I I would have hoped that it would have been been an opportunity for play. You're going to see Ray Jackson. 
you're going to see Jimmy King. They didn't have 10-year NBA careers. Players like that who help feed the system and help make multi-millions of dollars for universities deserve the opportunity to get paid at their age, not necessarily have to wait. You don't have to wait in NASCAR, tennis, golf. True. Yeah, there's golf pros at like 14. You don't have to wait. Yeah. That's only in basketball and football. So how do you see then college basketball panning out if it does go to this completely different wave to where it's it's back like LeBron can go straight to the NBA? You might not like this answer. Somebody that loves college basketball. I played three years of college basketball, and I'm a member of the Fab Five. Like, I love college basketball. One of the most iconic teams exactly, ever. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So this is going to be a trip for me to say, okay. but it's going to become a diluted product because in a couple of years what's going to happen is – the top players are going to go straight to the pros. Why wouldn't they? That's one. And then two, the other players you've seen this with Lonzo Ball, Jalen Green, may decide to go overseas, may decide to play in the G League. After those options get exhausted, then that player goes to college. But then it's not that, that top tier that we're used to seeing, I guess, now. Correct. And so now you'll see a list of the top 10 players in high school, but nine of them won't end up in college. Yeah. So that becomes a diluted product. Maybe it becomes diluted, but maybe we just think of it differently. And maybe it goes back to like these, these hometowns like us, like Michigan and Ohio mm-hmm. state. We just ride for our team, no matter who's on it. Yep. And it's, you know, maybe not guys who will go to the NBA, but maybe it gets back to being kind of this homegrown pride thing with these college teams they're able to make some money they don't go to the nba they pick a different career after Mm -hmm. but hey they spent their college making money but that's the second thing that happens i didn't play pro right but the second thing that happens to your point is now that athlete that couldn't go overseas that couldn't go to that didn't go to the g league that didn't go straight to the nba goes to michigan goes to ohio state goes to gonzaga and becomes a sophomore a junior a senior right so that strengthens, in theory, the, the, the play of the college game. But what ends up happening as a prospect, the more you play in college, the more they now think you're not ready for the league. Right. And now all of a sudden, it's not like when Tim Duncan played four years or a Draymond Green played four years. Now it's like, why did he have to stay till he was a junior? Yeah. Why does she have to stay to her and senior NBA year? NBA loves fresh legs. Young, <laughs> right, fresh legs, right, you exactly, know? <laughs> so, exactly. What? You're 21. Exactly. <laughs> you know, which is crazy. Correct. So I, I feel like that goes back a little bit to the NBA now. And we're not getting as much of a sense as guys wanting to stay at in one city. Mm-hmm. The players have a lot more control, I feel like, over the league right now, which I think is a good thing in some ways and not so great in other ways. How do you feel about that? So, this is controversial. I love it. Let's hear it. (laughs) And you're going to get me in trouble. That's why you asked me this question. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. You're really good at your job. I follow your movement. You're doing a great job. You're killing the game. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So, you're going to get me in trouble here, but I'm going to be honest with you. You play ball Mm -hmm. on every level that you played. When you went to do a pickup run. Who picked the teams? 
The best player. Boom. <laughs> the best okay. players yeah. played against each other. The origin of the game. When the, we show up at the park, everybody know who been running here every Saturday. Yeah, you're you picking know. a team, I'm picking a team. Yeah. Boom, right? <laughs> this is what we, we're not running together. No. Even if we're not guarding each other, we ain't playing on the same team. It changes when an MVP player like LeBron leaves Cleveland. That changes the game. Yes. That, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that changes the game. Yeah. And the one thing that he did that's so legendary is went back to Cleveland and won a championship. Because had he not done that, he'd be still searching like KD right now. Oh, you think? Because l- let me yeah. give you some game. Let me okay. give you some game. I told you this is controversial now. Let me clear my throat. <clears> throat> I'm, so, I'm getting it so far, though. Yes, it makes sense right? so far. Okay, yeah. so when he went to Miami, the great LeBron James, the billionaire Bron, I love him very much. When they did their press conference, how many championships did they say they were going to win? Not one, not two, not three. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Exactly. Not five, going. not six, <laughs> not seven. Yeah. They ain't win five. This is true. D-Wade, that's my brother. I love him. I, I, he inspired me showing my ankles today. Shout, shout out to D-Wade. Shout out to Chris Bosh. Played with him in Toronto. My guys. But when they hooked up and they joined that big three, they formed that super team, what ended up happening is LeBron was like, Cleveland's not going to give me the resources to get this done. And my time here is expired. So I need to go somewhere where a championship pedigree exists Mm -hmm. with Pat Riley, with the Miami Heat, who had just won a championship. I covered it. When they won it, I was there with my all-white everything. I saw them win it. And so that was a great player for the first time, an all-time great player conceding. We can't just win because we got me. See, I grew up watching an era where Magic, Bird, when they went to bed at night, we going to win because we got me. Jordan, Isaiah, Hakeem, Kareem, Shaq, Kobe, we going to win because we got me. And so that changes when he leaves. But he rectified it when he went back to win in Cleveland. I will say being from Ohio, I wasn't somebody who burned the jerseys. Um, but I was sad when he won in Miami first. Yeah, you Because were. it felt like, and, yeah, and I were. get it from yeah, a business side. But you know what I mean? I'm like, wow, like that could have been ours first. And for Ohio sports, even in general, we don't have much. And then being from, you know, from that hometown. So for him to come back, that was also, I remember watching from an airport, the, the finals. And I was like about to tear up I was like this is you know this is the one but it hurt it stung as a fan you can't tell <laughs> me you cannot tell me when he left Ohio that that wasn't one of the most painful things in the history of sports in that time yeah it was pain for sure and then he go join the big three and win a championship right <laughs> two of them yeah he had to go back and make it right. So, championships, as I've learned, I would love to have 15. I would, rest in peace, Bill Russell. And by the way, every team, 
Don't just retire his number. Every team should hang a banner in their arena with the Russell 6 lifted because it doesn't become out of sight, out of mind. That's truly what I believe. So now, you're KD. You do the same thing. You leave OKC, even though the Warriors beat you, and you join the Warriors. Win finals MVP twice, two championships. They would have won the third one had he not gotten hurt, had Clay not got hurt, but they didn't. He wasn't happy. You know why he wasn't happy? Even when they won their first championship, Bob Myers was at the press. Bob Myers was at the parade. People was joking about him joining a bandwagon. You know it. I know it. Yeah. Everybody felt like that Saturday run you just talked about. Instead of y'all playing against each other, seriously, (laughs) seriously, we was up three one, and you played. Yeah. How many times you cry in the locker room with your team? A lot. Okay. Yeah. So imagine what happens when we up 3-1 and we lose the series. You in the locker room like, yeah, I'm sick. screw them. Yeah. And then you go join them. So when you do that, right. it's like LeBron in Cleveland. That is a professional admission that I can't get it done in OKC, which you're allowed to do. All-time great player, you're allowed to do that. But when you go to the Warriors, it didn't necessarily make them happy. Right. And so now you go to the Nets looking for that happiness. Like LeBron was able to do in Cleveland, but LeBron delivered. And now look, the Warriors go on and win a championship without KD. They the only team this year that didn't win a game in the playoffs. And what did he do after that? I would like to go elsewhere. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Right. Correct way to okay. Say it. Yeah. Okay. Like I love Scottie Pippen, the OG, and the, one of the the greatest disrespects to his career is people called him Robin, six time champion, and it's sad when the last dance is being played that he can't even sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, he can't even enjoy it. Six championships. Can't even enjoy it. Right? KD, two championships in the Warriors. Left. To go do his own thing. With Kyrie. And it ain't happened yet. Do you think Steph has that mentality that you talked about with Magic Kobe where he goes to bed at night and he's like, I can win because of me? Absolutely. No doubt about it. And that's why he's a babyface assassin. <laughs> see, See, here, here's the thing about Steph that people underestimate. He going for the kill. The, like, there's signature shots in the history of the league. There's Kareem Skyhook. There's George Gervin's finger roll. There's other signature things like Michael Jordan. Wag- A man pe- played basketball wagging his tongue. That, that, that's, that's incredible, right? <laughs> and so who's we talking about? Steph Curry. Steph Curry. So here's a signature thing for Steph Curry. The Papa shot three. That used, to, any, be a, from that used to be a bad shot. Right. Dribbling across half court, pulling up from the hash mark. You know this. I used to do it. Okay. <laughs> what did your coaches say? Well, yeah. 
Actually, I was like the only one who had the green light. <laughs> but otherwise, yes, I know. In some situations, yeah, they were like, Rachel, we don't need it right now. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Especially early in the clock. Right. See, this all looked different. Let me tell y'all what makes I would Steph not want to coach youth basketball right now. Correct. <laughs> Let me tell y'all why Steph Curry shattered the mold. Because like Wilt Chamberlain's dunk, like those signature shots that I just talked about, volume. Shooting 10 threes in a game. Like I played with Reggie Miller. I believe he shot 16 threes maybe once in his entire career. Like Larry Bird, Ray Allen, like those guys didn't have the chance to like shoot a volume of threes yeah. and be great shooters, both. The other thing, unlimited range. The shots that he make that's longer than 25 feet, 30 feet, it's only him, Dame Lillard. And Trey Young. And he practices from the hallway before every game. That's crazy. And makes it, you and, know. And here's here's two other Steph Curry things. Great finisher of layups. Jump off both feet, finish with both hands. People underestimate that about his game. And then lastly, he got a handle. Usually the person that shoots like that. It's one or the other. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Don't got a handle no. like that. You Like. Uh-uh, between the legs, behind the back, uh, Chris Paul falls down. Like He got a handle, splitting screens, yeah. doing all that. So those four things is what makes Steph Curry the greatest shooter of all time. Do you think he is the most influential NBA player in the game right now? Right now, yes. Yes, right now. Because LeBron James is a 20-plus-year a, a veteran. And when you see LeBron James, you can't ignore the fact that he's a, a, a physical specimen. But when you see Steph Curry, you're like, him? Yeah. You're like, ma, ma, I could do him? Like, <laughs> I could do that. Like, I'm taller than him. Um, we're the same height. We're, we're the same build. I can, I can be him. And so that influence plus, what I said about his game and his championship pedigree and getting his finals MVP to this, this past year. It's like Steph Curry's not a point guard or a shooting guard. I've called him the vanguard for years, the, the leader of the new school. And that's where you said you think the league is going, right? Where it's people not fitting into these cookie cutter molds of like, here's your point guard, here's your shooting guard, here's your small forward, you know? You said everybody's going to have to do everything. Correct. And – well, you're getting me in trouble again. So this actually happened in a debate that I had 10 years ago. And this same debate, I was talking about, the debate ended up being about Russell Westbrook. I think I know what you're talking about. Correct. And the debate was, I was trying to explain that positions were only created so a novice can follow the game. Like Just because... You're a power forward, that don't mean you're built like Carl Malone. Or just because you're a shooting guard, that don't mean you're raising up like um, R Reggie Miller. Like it, they're, they're just an infrastructure for people to follow the game. And it was something that I followed, too, and our team followed. Yep. I was a two, and I was a shooter, and that yes. was my job. Yes. You know, and I yes. was fine with that. Correct. But at this level, it's different. Correct. But what ended up happening is – the thinking of um, coaches, 
the thinking of media, the thinking of fans had to graduate. So many times it was like, what position does he play? What position does she play? Oh, my God. <laughs> She's not tall enough to do this. She's not big enough to do that. Right. Not a, but now it's you're a basketball player. And the, the beauty of that is you see a guy like Jokic who can be among the lead leaders in points and assists. A guy like MB playing center. Amongst, led the league in scoring, mm-hmm. but still giving me 10-plus boards. And and then the 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 backcourt guys have changed also. It used to be when it was positions, the, the lead guard was responsible for making the other 14 guys happy. Well, because that was something with Westbrook, right? Because everybody's like, he's not the greatest point guard. And you're like, he doesn't – he's more than that is basically what you were saying. He broke the big O's triple-double record. Let me tell y'all something. Anybody that's ever played basketball, you know how much you got to hustle to get a triple-double? You, you, know how much, you know how much energy you got to spend to get a triple-double? There, there's a reason that nobody averaged a triple-double except two human beings in the history of basketball. Well, it's not as easy as everybody said. Oh, he's just stat padding. <laughs> no, no. Well, like you try to do it. Correct. You know? if, 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 I promise you. I would if, love to get a triple I double. I promise you. If it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. Yeah. I remember like believing if Magic didn't break it, if Jason Kidd didn't break it, it's never going to get broken. So for him to have the Hall of Fame career that he's had and have that be a part of his resume is incredible. So who are your starting five NBA players of all time? So positionless, positionless. Positionless, yeah. No doubt. So Magic and Isaiah. This is your fab five. Yes, exactly. NBA. So it's, it, it's got to be, it's gun. here's the team. Jeez. Are we getting him in trouble for a third time? <laughs> so Magic, okay. Isaiah, Jordan, Bird. Okay. Fifth, El Capitan, Kareem. Okay. That that that's my all-time five. It's a unique and, list, I have to say. And, and by the way, like you can hate me and or hate my list, but when you really break down the history of the game, like all of them is top twelve of all time. Do you think it makes a difference when you you pick your top five on what era you kind of watch? Because it's hard for me to ever, I know Kareem is the greatest, but I haven't studied basketball back in that day. So I know for me, it's like, I saw a little bit of Michael. I saw a lot of LeBron Mm -hmm. from 14 and up. You know, Iverson was my favorite player growing up. No doubt, Bubba Chuck. So that was kind of the era. And then, but you hear some people, ride or die, Jordan's greatest Mm -hmm. of all time. There's no discussion, this and that. But then there are people younger than me it's hard to even imagine that. And you can watch tape, but if you didn't live through, am I wrong? If you didn't live through that era, it's hard. Well, it's hard to compare eras, but there are a few things that allow you to do so. And when you talk about the best players of all time, you ultimately start talking about who's the GOAT. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about GOAT, the first word is greatest. That means achieved more than somebody else. And if we're comparing Michael Jordan and LeBron, for example, 
Michael Jordan got 10 scoring titles. LeBron has one. Michael Jordan has been all NBA. Michael Jordan has been defensive player of the year in the NBA. LeBron hasn't. Michael Jordan has two separate three-peats. LeBron doesn't have a three-peat. LeBron doesn't have one three-peat. Yeah. And so, like, you don't necessarily even need to watch them play to acknowledge that what Michael Jordan achieved just solely on the court is greater. It's more than. So why isn't Bill Russell in your top five then? He is. Wait. He is. I just gave Kareem that starting spot at the five. Okay. So he's I have just never. He's no, on your team, but he's not starting. Let me tell y'all something about basketball 101. <laughs> if y'all ever do a list and y'all get past three and I don't hear Bill Russell's name, delete. Block. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm going to just block you. That's what I'm going to do. If I see any Note social post. Include yeah, Bill I'm going to block you. Because 11 championships in 13 years is greater than me trying to act like LeBron is ahead of him. Yeah. Like, and what ends up happening is, and by y'all, just so y'all know, I love LeBron James. That's my guy. Maverick Carter's my brother. We played fantasy together for years. Rich Paul, that's my guy. I loved him. Randy, I loved him. So what ends up happening is people think, if I don't say he's the greatest, that I don't like him or I'm hating. You haven't hated on him once here. Correct. No, no. But that's what allowed me to start kind of realizing I'm good at my job. Because that's my <laughs> man. Yeah. But I can't act like what he's achieved so far is greater than Jordan, than Kareem, than Russell, for sure. Now, you can argue with me about magic. But here's some magic math. Magic played 13 years. He went to the finals nine times. Yeah, and he won five championships, including as a rookie. Yeah. I played against LeBron when he was young in his career. As a matter of fact, he had his career high against us. 55. <laughs> killed us. We won. I had 30. It's not bad. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he had 55. Yeah. So I've seen LeBron's greatness, and this is not to dismiss, but I can't act like what he's accomplished is quote-unquote greater than those three for sure. The finals MVP is named after who? Bill Russell. The award is named after Bill Russell. <laughs> it's named after him. Right. Okay, so starting five in the NBA currently. Ooh. Starting five right now in the NBA. I haven't done this. Yes. Uh, Steph Curry got to be in the backcourt. Okay. Um, you had Luca as MVP, right? Recently you said that? Steph Curry and Luca are my backcourt. Okay. I love Luca. Luca going to win MVP this year. When I always said this, when I saw Luca, just like when I saw Zion, when they look at themselves and be like, I'm gonna get in the best shape of my life, they're gonna flirt with MVP and Luca gonna do that this year. So it's Steph Curry and Luca backcourt. Up front, the Kang, 
K-A-N-G, LeBron James. Okay. Um. Oh, Easy Money Sniper, Kevin Durant. What's four? Oh, and Giannis. That's a good five. Yeah, and Giannis. That's a really good five. Yeah, and Giannis. I wanted to take Embiid. I wanted to take the Joker, but I got to get an edge to Giannis. Okay, they're coming off the bench. Yeah. All right, people, we're brought to you by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. See, it's not just about the daily promos, odd boosts, or the hundreds of ways to wager. It's about the immortal words of Caesar himself. You bet you get with Caesars Rewards. Every bet you place on the app, no matter the outcome, earns towards exclusive perks at Caesars Rewards destinations everywhere. Hotel stays, concert tickets, bonuses, and more. Download the Caesars Sportsbook app, become a Caesars Rewards member today, and get more with every wager. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700. So you're familiar with Courtside Club. Mm-hmm. We like to end things with some buzzer beaters. Let's get it. What is the best game that you've ever sat courtside for? Not played. Sat courtside. Ooh! The best game I ever sat courtside for? That is a good one. I physically was at the game, and I always sit courtside. So right now yeah, I'm just going. To. Right now I'm just going through a jukebox in my mind. Like, this is, <laughs> okay, so let's I, I've been, hear I've been it. sitting courtside for 35 years. So, so what I'm games about, are you thinking about? I'm, I'm, I'm giving y'all like th- this is going to be an archival answer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got me on the basketball Barbara Walters type questions. <laughs> you gonna make me cry? No. You know what's funny? It's you know like, what I'm saying? Buzzer beaters. Am are I gonna supposed cry to be, today? Like, fun. And I've had so many people get mad at me during buzzer beaters. Yeah. They're like, this is hard. <laughs> this is hard. I'm a, but I want to give a quality answer because this is a great question and a great topic. I would say sitting courtside. Any finals? Any? It could be college games, honestly. You know what? This is sacrilegious. Because okay. I sit courtside at Pistons games because that's my hometown team. Which means I also get a chance to see the other team clearly perform and have historic nights. And I was at the game when LeBron scored 25 straight against us. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sitting courtside. What do you remember? What year that was? That was uh, I just see him do the crossover against Max Hill and do that that dunk with his right hand. It was just, it was just crazy. I believe that was like two thousand and five. Was it like early on? Yeah, that was, he scored twenty five straight. It was, and, and I was rooting for the Pistons, right? But in your mind, you're like respect. <laughs> I had to bow down. I was like, I was like, that man is special. So I, I would say that one. Okay. So who is one person dead or alive that you'd love to sit courtside with? Dead or alive that I would love to sit courtside with? My guy, Kobe Bean Bryant. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, we, we got another 81 olives commercial in us. <laughs> you know what I mean? My guy, my guy's lost way too young. And it just, like, that whole memory hits, hits different because he's not alive anymore. Like, that's my, that, like, he's my friend. 
Yeah. You know, and like j- just for him not to be here anymore and, you know, the way he, you know, perished and and, and just it's it just tragic. So I would love to sit courtside with him. I remember being at the dunk contest in Cleveland. Like I literally went so I could watch him dunk. Yeah. And I was like, I'm wearing my Coogee. You know, from, I'm going to watch Kobe do his thing. So. That, that's my answer. He impacted so many people in so many different ways, whether you met him or you didn't. Everybody has a Kobe story. And so it is sometimes I like have to pinch myself because it doesn't it still doesn't seem real. How how long has it been? Like two years now? Yes. So yes. but you're not also not the first person to say that they'd love to sit courtside with Kobe because I think being able to process the game with him one more time. And he was always ahead of the curve like you are too. Mm-hmm. So Yes, that was my answer for sure. All right. So what is one event in history that you would have loved to have been courtside for? It could be a sporting event or just any other event. Uh oh. Um I would have loved to have been courtside so as a Detroit kid, I love the Pistons. Father got drafted by the team. They're a terrific sponsor for the Jaden Rose Leadership Academy. Their owner right now, Tom Gores, is my good friend. But I would have loved to sat courtside when the bad boys was playing against Bird and the big three. Crazy. Yeah. Of him, Mikhail, and Parrish, and DJ. You know, oh, Bird steals the ball underneath the <laughs> DJ. I remember, oh, kick the TV. I got a whooping that day. Oh, no. I got a whooping that day. Did it break? No, we had, the, we had the, 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 the big TV that didn't work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the little TV on top of that that did work. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. And, and so, yeah, that, that play, and, and Isaiah's legend and, and, like, the bad boy's legend. And so I would say I would love to sit courtside to watch the bad boy Pistons perform. That'd be sick. The microwave Vinny Johnson. <laughs> Joe Dumars! I feel like you would fit right in. I would have loved You would that. be trash talking from the sidelines. You'd be ready to go. Are you ready for this? <laughs> There's footage of the Pistons not shaking the Bulls' hand in the early 90s when they finally beat us. And we walked off because that was our rival. Yeah. And at the time, we weren't shaking their hands. And the key word I keep using is we. You cannot tell me I wasn't in that line. (laughs) You cannot tell me I didn't walk off and didn't shake their hands either. Like, in Detroit, we didn't rock Jordans like that. We didn't root for MJ. We rooted against MJ, and that just acknowledges greatness. That's dope. Last thing on Detroit, we are here this weekend for the Jalen Rose Leadership Academy Celebrity Golf Tournament. Yes. I'm super excited for it, yes. golfing tomorrow. But how did the Jalen Rose Leadership Academy get started? And what have you been most proud of so far? So I appreciate you for covering this because respectfully, I'm a high-profile individual. I'm a former NBA player. I grew up in this town. I work for ESPN and ABC. I work for the New York Post. I work for Amazon. I DJ a show. I'm as high profile as somebody can be. But the sad thing is you ain't got to bust through other multimedia outlets to cover this. So I thank you for being here. It means a lot. And the reason why we're open enrollment, we're tuition free, we're public charter. 
and we're a nine through 16 model. That's those are the, the like the things that make me the most proud is that we're not a part of a network. We didn't have a feeder school. It didn't get started because I had a blank check to kind of do whatever I needed to do to help change education in my community. And so the the fact that we currently serve 400 plus scholars and another 600 alums, some of which are in their secondary education, which could be trade school, military, police force, college, university, community college. What did your high school do for you when you graduated? Nothing. Wrote an article that I was going to college to play basketball. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Nothing. Yeah. That's what makes JRLA different. See, when when scholars graduate from JRLA, it's not throw your hat in the air and we we'll send you at the ten year reunion. No, it's like we'll see you later. We're gonna help you get enrolled in school. We're yeah. gonna help you get the support you need on campus. Help you get you registered in class. Try to help you meet your financial needs. Like we're going to still support you. And those are the things that make me the most proud of what we've accomplished since 2011. And that the success rate, I think it was like a hundred percent graduated Mm -hmm. another 97% or, or onto that next level or or in college. Yeah. So that's incredible. I love what you're doing. And I love that we get to have fun with it too. Yes. Taking me out of my comfort zone. Let me play a little golf. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And and, and again, that's the beauty of this. Like, this is our 12th golf outing. We're starting our 12th school year. Like this is extremely meaningful for what I call the charity that makes it to the hood. Like everything that we do, we're already underfunded. So now when you talk about competitively paying your, by the way, teachers, let me, let me just say this. We come from a sports background and I love that people pay a lot of money to be entertained in sports. Yeah. So therefore, I got to make the big bucks as a player and an announcer, and players get to make what they make. But let me tell you something. We need to stop the world on its axis right now. And to me, this ain't enough. But every teacher, especially those that are really good at their craft, should at least be making $100,000 a year. My mom's a teacher. Been my whole life. And she became a teacher... Um, to be able to have summers with me. And I was always in the classroom with her, but I wholeheartedly agree. And I also agree because they're, they're with your child sometimes way more than, than parents are. Teachers are in society, the most overworked and underappreciated human beings that exist. Thousand percent agree. Because just think about it. It's only 24 hours in the day. You're waking your kid up and they're going to school by eight. Yeah. They're going to be there till three or four. And if they play sports, do extracurricular activities, that's also teachers. That's also administrators. Teachers who are coaching, who are getting (laughs) what? $10 an hour on top of it. Maybe. Correct. It's, it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. You know, so one of the things I hope to do as we're now raising funds to expand our facility is if I had a blank check and somebody came to me and said, Hey, Jalen, what is something that you want to do to change the dynamics of education starting at your school? It would be to make sure that the teachers got compensated 
vastly more than they get paid right now. They're babysitting your kids. They're doing therapy with your kids. They're educating your kids. Setting them up for life. Setting them up for life. And so as we fundraise, that's still something in my mind that I hope that I could try to be to, to like be a game changer as it relates to making sure that they're, they're, they're compensated more than they are currently. Once again, change the game. I'm yes, glad indeed. I'm able to be a part of it as well. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much for coming on Courtside Club. Thank, Thank you. you for having me here this weekend. Yes, indeed. Anything we should be on the lookout for? JRLADetroit.com. Just continue okay. to support what we're doing. You know, enter a learner, exit a leader. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes, indeed. <laughs>